Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast. Before we jump into things, please join Mike Steely and I Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, for our pregame coverage of the Oklahoma-Kansas State matchup. As soon as we go live, I will tweet the link at Colby underscore Daniels. We will have pregame coverage two hours before every OU kickoff this season. So again, make sure you're, you're following my Twitter account at Colby underscore Daniels. Two hours before kickoff, when we start the live stream, I'll tweet the link and you can follow along. It, it was a ton of fun before the opener, a special appearance by Blinken Riley. I appreciate everybody who jumped in and it was just great to talk football again. So again, Saturday morning, nine o'clock, Mike Steely and I with pregame coverage of the Oklahoma-Kansas State matchup. Happy Friday and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast. Excited for week three of the football season, both college football and the NFL. It really feels like the first legitimate college football weekend with the SEC jumping in the mix. First games for Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Auburn. And of course, we can't forget the first game of the Mike Leach SEC era, which I can't wait to watch. Funny thing about Mike Leach is he brings in a transfer quarterback in K.J. Costello, who I I thought was a good player at Stanford, and you put him in the Mike Leach offense, they're going to be fun to watch in the SEC, and I can't wait to see the headaches that maybe he creates in that league. As far as the Big 12 goes, we're going to learn a little bit more about everybody this week. Oklahoma looked terrific in their season opener, as they should have against a less-than-desirable opponent. Kansas State had their own struggles against Arkansas State, And I think when you look at the way Arkansas State was able to beat them in the passing game, the Sooner receivers have to be licking their chops, and I expect Spencer Rattler to have another monster statistical game. If there's anything I want to see from the Oklahoma offense that we didn't see last week, it would be the ability to establish the run game. Seth McGowan just looks like a guy that's a game-breaking type player. You can see their special ability there. But can Oklahoma run the football against a physical team like Kansas State on a consistent basis? That's a question mark for me in this game. And I don't know that they can't. I'm just curious to see what it looks like. On the flip side, I'd like to see what the Oklahoma defensive front looks like against a Kansas State team that has offensive line troubles, replaces all five offensive linemen from a season ago. That's going to be a matchup that Oklahoma should win despite any defensive troubles that the Sooners have had in the past. That's a matchup that maybe we're raising a little bit of concern if they don't have success. And Wyatt Thompson, the play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, is going to join us in just a bit and talk a little bit about the Kansas State struggles against Arkansas State. Oklahoma's a four-touchdown favorite. I think that's about right. Sooner passing game has a big day. I think they put up a pretty healthy number on the scoreboard. And look, again, I think the defense performs better than maybe anybody expects them to. The most interesting game in the Big 12 for me this weekend is Oklahoma State-West Virginia. Going into the season, I had Oklahoma State as the second best team in this league. I think I had West Virginia at number eight. I know it's only one game, and I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but there's real concern for me with what Oklahoma State showed on the offensive line. That's the key matchup in this game is the Oklahoma State offensive line versus the West Virginia defensive line. The best unit on West Virginia's team is their defensive line and specifically the interior of their defensive line. And if those guys are disruptive, Shuba Hubbard's going to have a hard time finding his rhythm in the run game. And without knowing what the situation is with Spencer Sanders, that puts a lot on the quarterback and Oklahoma State's ability to have a balanced offense. So I think this is a really intriguing matchup. Daigie led West Virginia's offense last week, and and they certainly looked better than I expected as well. I think the Cowboys have too much, and certainly I think the Cowboys' defense leads the way in this game, and they're the best unit on the football field. And I think along the way, you're going to get some big plays out of guys like Tylen Wallace. 
but West Virginia can legitimately test you on the line of scrimmage defensively, and I think we'll know a lot more about what to expect from the Cowboys the rest of the season based on how they perform in that area in this matchup. All that said, Mike Gundy could certainly decide to play the wrong quarterback in this game, and if that were to happen, then throw all this out the window. Texas versus Texas Tech is really interesting. The Mike Yersich-led Texas offense is much more aggressive in the passing game. We saw that in game number one. They're going to push the ball down the field in game number two against Texas Tech. The Tech defense two weeks ago against Houston Baptist allowed Bailey Zappi to throw for 567 yards and four touchdowns. I'm not saying Sam Ellinger is the greatest passing quarterback in the world, but in a much more aggressive passing offense with Mike Yersich at the helm, I think he has a big day against this Texas Tech defense, and I think Texas wins big. Iowa State TCU is an interesting game for me. Once again, going into the season with high expectations of what Iowa State is capable of. Again, one of the better defenses in this league, an experienced quarterback with Brock Purdy, and just a failure to seemingly put it all together. There's a part of me that wants to just sell all the Iowa State stock and jump on the TCU side of things in this matchup, but I think we've all witnessed over the last few weeks in all levels of football, there have been struggles from the majority of teams in their first outing. This is going to be TCU's first action of the season. I lean Iowa State in this game. It's a two and a half point spread, and I would probably take Iowa State minus the points. This is it for me, though, with the Cyclones. TCU in their first action of the season. And finally, Baylor-Kansas, the nightcap for Big 12 action. Baylor, 18-point favorites over the Jayhawks. Baylor also with their first action of the season. New head coach, completely overhauled defense. 9 of 11 starters move on. Not that you need that quality of defense to prevent Kansas from scoring a bunch of points, but with that many new faces, new coaching staff, first game of the season, I kind of wonder what Dave Aranda's group is going to look like. But I think Charlie Brewer and the offense will have success. And at some point, you just have to recognize you're still playing the Kansas Jayhawks. So Baylor by three touchdowns is my prediction. It's an 18-point spread, so give me Baylor minus the points. I'm also really excited for the NFL weekend. There are a few really great matchups. Unfortunately, I think my Dallas Cowboys get absolutely pummeled by the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson looks incredible right now. Dallas can't cover anybody. We've seen that for the first two weeks. The lack of consistent pass rush and defensive backs getting completely lost in coverage. Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the Seattle passing game has a big day. And it just kind of feels to me like one of those games where Seattle probably gets up early. The Cowboy offense stumbles out of the gate, finds its footing maybe in the second quarter. By that point, they're probably down by 10 points. And it's just a back and forth the rest of the way. Seattle just kind of stays ahead and keeps Dallas at arm's length the entire way. So that's kind of the way I see the game going. I think a lot of points are scored, and I think the Russell Wilson MVP campaign continues. Doesn't it just kind of feel like Russell Wilson, barring Pete Carroll getting in the way and running the football 80% of the time, is just destined to be this year's MVP? Sometimes I think in the NBA, we look at the guys who have won the award and the guys that may be next in line to win the award. And I feel like there's almost this idea that we anoint somebody as it's their turn to win the MVP. And as long as they don't screw it up on the field or on the court, they kind of get the benefit of the doubt. I kind of feel like that's the same way with Russell Wilson this season. He's been around long enough. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's certainly one of the elite players in the league. If I were drafting quarterbacks today, I go Patrick Mahomes one, Russell Wilson two. I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. But it almost feels like going into the season, we all kind of look at Russ and say, it's your turn. There's all these great quarterbacks in the league. And this year, Russell Wilson gets that spotlight. And as long as nothing disastrous happens, 
where he gets hurt or Pete Carroll decides to never let him throw the football until the fourth quarter. And even then he might have a chance because he's that good late in ball games. Most likely Russell Wilson will get that benefit of the doubt if he's in the conversation at the end of the year. But yeah, I think my Cowboys fall to one and two. And maybe finally they'll call Earl Thomas next week. This would have been the perfect week to bring back Earl Thomas, knowing how much he doesn't like Seattle, knowing how much he doesn't like Pete Carroll. The last time we saw Earl Thomas in Seattle, he was riding the cart flipping off the Seahawks sideline. I can't believe Dallas didn't play to his emotions this week and try and get him on the football field for this matchup. I'm ready to see Kyler Murray again. The Cardinals are six-point favorites against the Detroit Lions. Kyler Murray is as good a story as there is in the NFL. On top of the fact that this guy has an elite arm that I don't think he gets enough credit for, We always talk about the mobility and the speed and how he can extend plays and just that dual threat ability. I think passing alone, he's one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. But when you add the running game to the mix and the fact that he never takes hits, this dude is incredibly scary. And and as he gets more experience, he's only going to get better. Buy all the Kyler Murray stock. Sunday Night Football is a fun one. The Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints, Breeze and Rodgers. The Saints have been a little bit disappointing to this point. Drew Brees has not been sharp. I was texting Rufus last Monday night at the beginning of that game, and I said, Drew Brees looks a lot better this week. And it was almost like as soon as I hit send on that text, the Saints offense completely stopped moving the football. And I'm not ready to say that he's done, but certainly he he's not been great in the first two weeks. He's not been the Drew Brees that we're used to seeing consistently Not having Michael Thomas is absolutely part of that equation. Even if he's back, I don't know if he's 100%. I still think the Saints are a really talented football team from top to bottom. Aaron Rodgers is on the revenge tour this season for the Packers drafting a first-round quarterback. Sign me up for Sunday Night Football. And that all leads to what has to be considered the game of the year in the NFL, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, the last two MVPs of this league, the two most fun offenses in this league, the defending Super Bowl champs. You could make the argument the Ravens have looked better than anybody in the league through two weeks this season. Like, this matchup is incredible. I am so excited to watch this game on Monday night. Nobody call me. Nobody asked me to do anything. Monday night is all about Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And I can't wait to hear the reaction following that game on Monday night into Tuesday. If the Ravens lose, it's going to be Lamar Jackson can't win the big game. Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that. Just wait for it. Somebody next week will ask the question if the winner of that game is going to go undefeated. Just wait for it. It's going to happen. It's a big-time matchup. It's early in the season. These are by far the best two teams in the AFC. Somebody's going to say the winner of that game is going to run the table. I'm just, I'm waiting for it. It's going to happen. But man, what a great matchup it's going to be. So coming up in just a moment, we have Wyatt Thompson, the play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, giving us a preview from the Wildcats' standpoint on Kansas State, Oklahoma. We'll also have my buddy Kevin Kinder from BlueGoldNews.com covering West Virginia, giving us a preview of the West Virginia side of things with their matchup against Oklahoma State. By the way, can anybody remember a crazier time in sports than what we're witnessing right now? We have the Stanley Cup Finals going on. We have both NBA conference finals going on. It's the final week of the Major League Baseball season in a year with expanded playoffs. So seemingly the majority of the field is still playing for something in the final days. And you pair that with the Armageddon weekend of football. I mean, it doesn't matter what week you're in football. It's all do or die. But the first weekend of college football where you have basically the entire top 10 playing with all the SEC teams joining the mix, it is so fantastic. And again, I'm a big UFC fan, and there's a pay-per-view card Saturday night with two titles on the line. Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa 
for the middleweight title. Both guys are undefeated. I think Adesanya's 19-0, Costas 13-0. That's going to be a terrific fight. And the light heavyweight title up for grabs as John Jones vacates his title. I thought Dominic Reyes beat John Jones for the title anyway, but Dominic Reyes gets another title shot against Jan Blachowicz or Blahovich, however you say the name. I think we're going to have two outstanding fights to close out the pay-per-view card Saturday night as well. So I'm geared up for another big weekend, and this is going to be awesome. All right, let's get to our guest. He is the play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. He is Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, first of all, it's great to talk to you. I'm glad that football is actually taking place. You know, all summer long, we had our fingers crossed that we would get to this point. Now we're here as far as Kansas State goes. Thoughts on, on where they are after game number one? Well, I guess, first of all, let me say it's good to talk to you again. I, <laughs> and I'm with you a thousand percent. I, I, um, I'm thrilled that games are being played. I, I was fearful that uh, nobody would get games in, and it looks like the farther we go into this, the more at least people are going to have an opportunity to have some semblance of a season. So I think you have to be thrilled for that because, let's be honest, the country has <laughs> been through a lot. I don't want to be too soupy and what have you about it, but you know what? This stuff is important to people, man, and I'm, I'm excited that uh, things are, are going. I mean, we, we lost that game at home two weeks ago to Arkansas State, and I'm not going to kid you. I was still thrilled that we got to play because many didn't. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of Big 12 teams that haven't played a game yet. We're going to see their debut yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, Baylor, of course, and, and TCU, and it just seems like it's been such a struggle for both. And I, I kind of feel for Dave Aranda, the new coach at Baylor. Think about that. You, you get hired. You, you are going to a program that's actually won a couple of Big 12 titles somewhat recently, um, and you get no spring, basically very little, you know, in the fall, and, and now hopefully you play on the 26th of September. I'm sure he's more than anxious to go. No doubt about it. You know, you mentioned everything that, that everybody is going through at this point. Kansas State, Arkansas State, 35-31 the final, Kansas State on the short end of that. And I think we can all evaluate football really at every level this early and understand that some of it is, you know, the struggles of not having a spring, not having the complete fall practice like you would normally have. In terms of Kansas State struggles, how much of that maybe do you equate to not having practice and not being able to establish some of that stuff? And how much of it was just failure to, to execute on Saturday? Outstanding question. And, and I think the fair answer is a little bit of both. Here's why I say that. I think not having the spring season hurt K-State offensively in a big way from just this standpoint alone. They're trying to replace all five starters in the offensive line with a relatively young group with not a lot of experience. I don't care who you are, that is most difficult to do that. With that said, to the other point, how much was it K-State play? Give Arkansas State a little credit. I think it was a lot of that. K-State rushed for 91 yards. That's not good enough. They were one of 11 on third down conversions. That's not good at all. Skyler Thompson, the leader uh, behind that inexperienced offensive line, had some opportunities to make three or four big plays, and they were just so close. And yet it didn't work out, and he's a fifth-year senior. Defensively, they weren't as good as they thought. The bottom line, I think, is this after visiting with the coaches this week. I just don't think they felt like they played with the adrenaline, the energy, and that kind of stuff that they needed to, and that was most disappointing. So they've spent <laughs> two weeks leading up to Oklahoma kind of going back to the drawing board and kind of kind of starting over. We'll see how it treats them on Saturday. You know, Skylar Thompson to me is one of the most interesting storylines maybe in the entire conference, and, and from my perspective at least, 
He comes to Oklahoma State a couple years ago in Stillwater and has this phenomenal game. I want to say that was like his sophomore year. It's so hard to remember because it what? seems like he's been around forever. But he had a phenomenal yeah. game in Stillwater, and and you just thought, holy cow, this kid is the future. And it's just kind of been up and down. And then last year against OU, as you know, just kind of gauging from the state of Oklahoma's perspective at least, he was phenomenal. It seemed like every third down and long, he put the ball exactly where it needed to be and moved the stick. So uh, I know it's been maybe inconsistent for him but we've seen him on a really high end a few times well that's well said and I, I think he is without a doubt uh, the, the main leader of this football team when Chris Kleiman came in replacing Bill Snyder the legend uh, I think he was thrilled that one he had a returning quarterback two it was a young man that he recruited at North Dakota State and knew a lot about the guy and I, I've said in other interviews that he kind of just turned the, the keys to the bus over to Skyler and let him drive it and for the most part, you know, that you're right. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. Um, but but at the end of the day, this is a guy that has started, you know, nearly 30 games in his career. And he's, he's won more than he's lost. And I think he's a, a pretty solid guy that way. Um, they need him to be better than he was two weeks ago, uh, always. But, but especially in a game like this where you've got such a powerful offensive team and, frankly, a defensive team that, looks awfully good to me on tape with the way they run and the way they, they play. How did the defense play against Arkansas State based on maybe what the expectation was? Just okay. But I, th- I think there were, you know, you can, when you lose, you, you look at a lot of things and maybe even you, you could call it make, make some excuses. But I think one of the real key factors was going back to what I said before, I just don't think they played with that urgency as Joe Klanderman told me earlier today, the uh, new defensive coordinator. But in addition to that, they, they got uh, both of their safeties injured in the game. Jerron McPherson early, Wayne Jones late. Certainly that doesn't help. Uh, K-State, I think their frontline guys are pretty good, but they're still developing some depth there. That was a factor when you, when you consider you know, how well Arkansas State ran the ball but also threw the ball, specifically throwing it. Oklahoma's the matchup on Saturday. In what area would you say you are confident as far as Kansas State with this specific matchup? Well, it's hard because, you know, when you look at it, I'm not a real big spread guy. I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but it's hard not to pay attention to it when it's 27 or 28 points or whatever it is. (laughs) I I think if I'm being totally honest, it's hard to look at at one or two aspects and say, K-State should feel good about this because in a lot of, if not all uh, areas, they're, they're probably just going to be, you know, out-athleted, if, if you will. With that said, though, I think you know this. I think your listening audience and the fans of Oklahoma know K-State has played against them at times. There have been a few blowouts, certainly, but most recently there have been some pretty good games. I think you have your hang your hat on that a little bit. And to me, that's, that's a big thing. I think it's, again, not to be repetitive, but our guys are preaching, this is about us. It's not about Oklahoma. We know what they are. We respect the heck out of those guys. They're good. But we've got to do our part to, to match their intensity and their toughness. And, and if, if that happens, then I think, you know, you can at least say, okay, let's see what happens from here. But if you don't bring it to that point, it could be a long day. 
You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think anytime we look at playing Kansas State, it's one of those you have to match their toughness because no matter what the yep. roster looks like, it seems like that's always the constant with Kansas State teams as they bring, you know, they bring their lunch pail, so to speak. They're, they're going to be a tough group that you're going to have to put down if you're going to win. That's exactly right. And, and they've done that here around here for, for the better part of 30 years with Bill Snyder and, and hopefully now with Chris Kleiman. I, it, it's obvious, I think, that Chris Kleiman exceeded expectations in year one. I think he knew that this was going to be a year that was a little bit difficult because of that senior group that was lost, including all of those starting offensive linemen that had some 150-some games of nearly 160 games of starting experience. Hard to replace that. But like you said, you know, K-State has done it a long time with playing, playing with a, a passion and an edge and excellence in special teams and those kind of things. And even the game two weeks ago with Arkansas State, the special teams were pretty ordinary. You know, they just were. So they, they just got to be better all the way around. All right, give me one name offensively and one name defensively that I should pay attention to in this game. <laughs> That's a good one because I, I could probably point to a couple offensively, and both guys played pretty well two weeks ago against Arkansas State, but K-State needs even more from them. And one is a freshman running back, Deuce Vaughn, who has some wiggle to him. They really, really love the kid. Um, and then Briley Moore, who's a grad transfer tight end. Uh, and, and it goes without saying Skyler, of course. But on the defensive right. side, I think you could pick a lot of guys. But I think I think for K-State, they need that front group to, to play well. And that's, that's led by Wyatt Hubert. He's a really good player, uh, plays with a high motor. He'll have to play exceptional football on Saturday, along with several other guys, no doubt. Wyatt, always appreciate the time, my friend. It's it's great to catch up with you, talk football, and hopefully we're uh, able to catch up again before the season ends. Yeah, absolutely. Great talking to you, as always. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. That was Wyatt Thompson, play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, joining us on the Colby Daniels podcast. Again, Oklahoma, Kansas State, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday morning. Don't forget, you can catch Mike Steely and I with our pregame coverage on the live stream two hours before every OU kickoff. At Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, you'll find the link there as soon as we go live, so make sure you check that out. With a preview of the West Virginia side of this Oklahoma State-West Virginia matchup, from BlueGoldNews.com, he is Kevin Kinder. Kevin, West Virginia in week number one surprised me at least. I I know the level of competition wasn't amazing, but in their week one performance, I thought they definitely at least surpassed my expectations. Well, they had some goals, obviously, from last year, improving, improving the running game getting an offensive line put back together. And that was impeded a little bit because a couple of their offensive linemen were suspended for one game. So, uh, you know, but they did get some backups, some young guys sometimes. So maybe that helped, you know, just a little bit in one way. But yeah, overall, there was just much more offensive continuity. Uh, It was kind of a, they did what they were supposed to do situation, you know, but that's encouraging. Last year, obviously West Virginia struggled to score and move the ball a lot. So, some things to build on uh, for this game this week. You know, we talked before the season started and you had mentioned the offensive line being a question mark. How much of the offensive success was because the offensive line played well? How much of it was Jared Daigie? Because based on what I saw, I thought he looked terrific. Uh, He was really good, but, you know, West Virginia had two running backs that each ran for 123 yards uh, on not a lot of carries. So the offensive line did get some things done. Now, you mentioned the competition. Eastern Kentucky was obviously not good. Uh, so you, know, you have to take that into account. But 
you know, they were able to, like I said, to do what they were supposed to do. So I, I think it was a mix, and I think that's what is encouraging, at least at this point, to West Virginia's coaches. They felt like they saw improvements across the board, you know, from the line, from Daigie, from the running backs, and taking advantage of what was there. Let's talk about the defense again, understanding level of competition. Maybe maybe if you don't play well, you learn more than if you do play well. But uh, holding Eastern Kentucky to 10 points, what did you think about that group? You know, the defense kind of did what they hoped it was, would do. The defensive line, which is the strength of this team, was not as dominant as what they had hoped. So, I, you know, I think that plays into what you're talking about a little bit is, hey, we just can't show up and play, you know, and expect to do great things, you know, for the defensive line. And they've talked about that. A couple of the defensive linemen this week have mentioned that. Then they know, obviously, they have to do a lot better in order to get a win at Oklahoma State. Still questions about the secondary. Eastern Kentucky completed a couple of long passes. I uh, had a couple of big plays on bust and coverage. Uh, West Virginia bringing along a couple of young players in the secondary. So trying to put that all together. Uh, is their biggest challenge, but they do have the defensive line to create some disruption up front if they play well. And and you mentioned that defensive line. I've been talking about this for a couple days in regards to the matchup on Saturday against Oklahoma State. To me, that's where this game is potentially won. Oklahoma State comes in with arguably the best running back in the country. Against Tulsa, the offensive line was not good, and some would even say it was it was extremely bad. This is one of the better defensive lines, not only in the conference, but you highlighted it a moment ago. This is probably the strength of the West Virginia defense is that defensive line, and I think the OSU O-line versus the West Virginia D-line is probably the highlight for me in this matchup. I think that's spot on target. If West Virginia is going to slow down Oklahoma State's offensive attack, it has to disrupt things from the start. has to get penetration in the backfield on running plays, get the Tuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown before they get started. Uh, put pressure on the quarterback. It, you know, if, if the quarterback is protected and comfortable, if the backs are able to run, get to the line of scrimmage unimpeded, uh, that's going to make it tough for West Virginia. So, yeah, right at the snap, you know, those first couple of seconds, I think, are the, the key moments of each play and what will go a long way in deciding this game. What's been the preparation for what quarterback they potentially see in Stillwater? You know, we asked Neil Brown that, and he said they're preparing for Spencer Sanders. Uh, you know, on the theory that he is the most multi-talented of the quarterbacks there, and obviously because he's a starter, but because he presents that running threat, so you've got to have that in your game plan. Then if he can't go, if you have someone back there that's a little less mobile, it's easier to adjust in that direction than it is to try to flip the script and, oh, now you know, you've got to account for someone that, that's scrambling around and, and can run the ball on design play. So, West Virginia is preparing as if it will see Spencer Sanders on Saturday. If it is Shane Illingworth, who was outstanding at the end of the Tulsa game and, and really gave that offense a lift when his number was called, he's a young guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. Is is that a situation where maybe they're they're putting some things in, hoping to confuse him pre-snap type stuff? Well, I mean, that's one of the things that this defensive scheme is built on. There is yeah. a lot of motion. And even on the defensive line, there's a lot of stemming and shifting uh, on the defensive line pre-snap. So I think you'll see some of that no matter what. But, sure, if you get a young quarterback in there, that's uh, you know really emphasized. And then trying to, if you can't get to him, at least putting pressure on the pocket, moving him, getting him off the spot, making him make decisions on the run. 
I don't know about you, but I was pretty impressed with the Oklahoma State defensive performance against Tulsa last week, and I'm kind of excited to see what West Virginia looks like offensively against that defense, and maybe we learn a little bit more about one group or the other based on, on how this matchup goes. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I don't think we saw either offensive line at its best or what it will be or, you know, with Oklahoma State obviously with the injuries, West Virginia with the suspension. So in some of those ways, it is kind of like a game one. And, you know, looking from the outside, I watched that entire game. You know, I, I thought those off those injuries and obviously a quarterback and the use of Tyler Wallace, I mean, that just was not the Oklahoma State offense that I know Cowboy fans are used to seeing and, uh, certainly West Virginia is not used to seeing. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of still an unknown what we're going to see, but I think we're going to see something different on Saturday. As far as West Virginia goes, what do you feel confident in going into this matchup? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think its defense is going to play really hard. And that doesn't mean that I think it's going to shut Oklahoma State down. But, I, you know, I think it's going to come out with, with something to prove, especially the defensive line. Uh, offensively, I think you're going to see a quarterback, Jared Dagey, that you mentioned before, that's a little bit more comfortable. You know, as he plays more, you see him getting more comfortable in where to go with the ball. Uh, you know, and obviously Oklahoma State's defense played well. So it just seems like those point counterpoints on each side are, are really matching up. But those are two places where I think West Virginia, you know, hopes to make its mark in this game. And and on the other side of that, what what would maybe be your biggest question marks for this matchup? Um, can West Virginia run the ball the way that it did against Eastern Carolina? Is this, you know, just kind of a, a false return in terms of, you know, because of the competition? Because I have a lot of respect for Oklahoma State's defense. I thought they were tremendous. I thought they were – that was obviously the reason that the Cowboys won the game. Can West Virginia slow Oklahoma State enough and keep explosive plays down is the other, is the other question mark just so good at making big splash plays and ripping off big games. And I know that wasn't their Saturday, but that's not their, you know, that's their MO. That's the way the Oklahoma State offense works. Can West Virginia do that? It's a tall ass. All right, give me one offensive player and one defensive player that, that you would suggest I pay attention to in this matchup. You know, for West Virginia, I'm going to say it's a position uh, on defense. Uh, Jared Bartlett and that Darius Cowan at the Bandit. Uh, that's a hybrid defender in West Virginia's defense that lines up on the line sometimes and as a linebacker on other times. It's one of the spots that the front of the defense is really built around. That position has to play well. Uh, Cowan's a transfer from Alabama that played some last year before he got hurt. Bartlett has come on and played really well. That position you have to get production out of if West Virginia is going to be good. Uh, on the offensive side, I'm going to say West Virginia's got to pro- got to produce some big plays of its own to match Oklahoma State. So I'm going to go with Winston Wright, wide receiver. Uh, one of the guys that WVU counts on to get deep, uh, produce some big plays downfield. Uh, can he match up to Oklahoma State's really physical man-to-man coverage? Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, so he's got to show he's got to get off those jams, uh, get away from the way that uh, the Cowboys play defense uh, in that man coverage. I get up and make some play. Kevin, always appreciate the time, my friend. It's it's always great to talk football with you, and, and uh, fingers crossed we'll be chatting throughout the season. Oh, absolutely, Kobe. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing for all of us. We're just happy to have some actual games to talk about and break down. Amen, brother. Stay safe. You bet. You too. Thanks.
That was Kevin Kinder from BlueGoldNews.com joining us on the Colby Daniels podcast. Afternoon matchup for Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and that's the game I want to see most this weekend. Very real questions about the Cowboys after game number one, and I certainly don't think West Virginia is a world beater, but they have enough, especially on the defensive line, to let us know what that Oklahoma State line really looks like. And ultimately, again, I think the Oklahoma State defense is probably the difference in this matchup, which sounds crazy to say. All right, that's it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast, share the podcast with your friends. You can contact me via Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. Instagram is Colby.Daniels. Everybody stay safe, have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Podcast is over.